Yeah. We're going to drop I, some bombs that, on you today. That, that song <laughs> is just so ubiquitous that it, yeah. it's almost not even real. <laughs> oh, it's real, all right. Yeah. As real as this episode. Let's do it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of When Records Ruled, the podcast where we share our love of rock music and pop culture from the 70s and 80s, and take a few B-side tracks down memory lane along the way. So get out those liner notes and try to stab that straw into your cherry Capri Sun without going all the way through, <laughs> because it's time to hit the play button. I'm your host, David Norris, and joining me on this flashback musical road trip are my good friends Brian Strom and Lance Schwartz. How you doing? Good. Really good. good. Thanks, Dave. Except ever, I want my MTV. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever all tried day, to all night? You ever tried to stab the Capri Sun and miss the hole? Yes. Yeah. Doesn't work very well. No. I remember yeah. I remember just flipping it over and punching it at the bottom. It was just easier. Oh, wow. that was that was the trick, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think somebody showed me that and I'm like, I'm just doing this for now. It's on. not like, oh, I need to set my Capri Sun down so it doesn't tip over. I mean, it's like a shot. <laughs> it's gone. It's yeah, like, really. Sets the thing down. No. This is too much for one sitting. I'll That's come right. back later. Yeah, what is it like? Six ounces in there? <laughs> Not even that. Flip. It's probably like three. <laughs> yeah, what a That's waste. A few socks and it's gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No one's milking that all day long. Nope. All right. For today's episode, we will be discussing the album "Brothers in Arms" by Dire Straits. We'll hear what was happening around the time of the album's release, wrap it up with a personal rating of the album, and then we'll end the show with our Remember One segment. So to get us started, Lance is going to give us some details about the album. Lance, sir. Yes, I do have a lot of details. So Brothers in Arms is actually the fifth studio album by Dire Straits. That collection of songs was released on May 13th, 1985, so mid-80s, through Vertigo Records internationally and Warner Brothers in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., Brothers in Arms spent nine weeks at number one on the mm-hmm. Billboard 200, and a total of 14 non-consecutive weeks at number one in the U.K., including a 10-week uh, consecutive stint between January 18th and March 22nd, 1986. That's impressive. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's more impressive stuff here from, from the U.K., uh, and in Australia, get this, 34 weeks at number one. Wow. In Australia. Oh, wow. That's half, That's more than, than half, half a year. year. Yeah. Wow. Um, they must not have much music there. Probably not. Yeah. I don't know. What are you talking just, about? Just men at work and <laughs> in excess, and that's about that's it. And right. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. ACDC on the side. But Who's yeah. that? No, never <laughs> heard of them. <laughs> anyway. Ooh. It was the first album certified 10 times platinum in the UK and the eighth best selling album in UK chart history. Wow. That's amazing. That's huge. Yeah. And was certified nine times platinum in the United States and is one of the world's best selling all time albums, having sold more than 30 million units. Wow. That is a lot. Have we had an album reviewed that sold that many or more yet? I don't recall. Van Halen sold that many? No. I thought it was tw- like 20 or so, wasn't it? 
Probably. That's about the highest? That's probably I want to say like the Boston. NXS was pretty high though too. That was high. And Boston was pretty high too, but I don't think either yeah, of them were close to 30. Yeah, wow. that's crazy. Brothers in Arms was one of the first albums recorded on a Sony 24-track digital tape machine. The decision to move to digital recording came from Mark Knopfler's constant striving for better sound quality. So the co-producer on this album is a guy named Neil Dorfsman. He's an American sound engineer um, and has worked with some really heavyweights. Dire Straits won, but Bruce Hornsby, Paul McCartney, and Sting. Mm -hmm. And I noticed, too, he did a lot of sound engineering for just a plethora of different artists. Um, So he's both a producer, but more uh, probably well-known for his engineering Mm -hmm. capabilities. Um, Dorfman said about uh, Knopfler's uh, striving for better sound quality, a quote from him, it says, one of the things that I totally respected about him, talking about Mark Knopfler, was his interest in technology as a means of improving his music. He was always willing to spend on high-quality equipment. And you can hear it in this album. Totally. totally. I mean, from a 1985 album, put it on a streaming service now on a decent-sounding stereo, Wow. Yeah. It sounds good. Yep. All right. That's probably enough. All right. Thanks, Lance. To give us an even better frame of reference, Brian is going to get enlighten us with some uh, information and fun facts and what was happening around the time the album was released. Brian. Which was May 13th, 1985. Some of the top bands were Phil Collins, The Power Station, David Lee Mm. Roth, Wham, (laughs) and Brian Adams. Decent list too. Yeah, you know, a couple couple artists that were with big bands that mm-hmm. went out on their own, Phil Collins and David Lee Roth. Yep. A little super group in there. Yep. Um, so the top songs, uh number three was Don't You Forget About Me Simple by Minds. Simple Minds. Love it. Number two, you guys are gonna love this one. We are the world. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Lionel Richie by USA for Africa. Yeah. I remember that one because at my brother-in-law Sean's graduation, they had to sing that song. Oh, really? The the graduating class sang that song. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's bad enough you have to sing a song as a senior in high school. Yeah. But then, oh, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Sorry, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, buddy. The the number one song was Crazy For You by Madonna. Yeah. That's a good tune. Yeah. Yeah. Top TV shows, uh, Cosby Show, Family Ties, Murder, She Wrote, Who's the Boss, and Night Court. I don't make TV like that anymore. Oh, man. Loved Night Court. I did, too. So much. Mm-hmm. We used to watch it in college like almost every yeah. day on reruns. Like yep. after supper, it was awesome. Yep. Not Murder, She Wrote, though. Yeah. Wasn't... I mean, that was okay, too. I didn't watch that that often, though. No. Top movies, uh, Rambo, First Blood. Yes. A View to a Kill. 007. Beverly mm-hmm. Hills Cop, Mask, yeah. and one of my favorite movies, Fletch. Yeah. Ain't falling for no banana in the tailpipe trick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you say, yeah. uh, excuse me. Can I borrow your towel? My car just hit a water buffalo. <laughs> that was Fletch. Uh, Fletch is great. <laughs> He's got a lot of good one-liners in that, yeah. that one, too. All right, top toys, Teddy Ruxpin, the Pogo Ball. Remember what? that one? No. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. It kind of looked like Saturn. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say it looked really? like Because yeah. you would kind of squeeze it with your 
feet, feet the, on, the ball on the the disc that was surrounding the ball, and you would just oh. bounce like a pogo stick. But what was that other ball. bouncy thing that you sat on that had a handle on? I don't top? know what that oh, was. Called. I had I had, a, I had a hoppity Donald Duck. That's what it oh, was. Oh, hoppity. Hoppity hop. Hoppity hop. Hoppity yeah. Hop. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. You ruined my remember when. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a picture of me on mine, though. My hoppity Donald Duck. I was probably like three or four. Yeah. yeah like a handle coming out of his head? His ears. Oh. His oh, ears. Oh, okay. That was the handle? Bit. Yeah. Fun. And that was like a couple years ago, you said? Yep. A couple yeah, years okay. ago. All right. Yeah. Um, let's see where else we got. Atari and yes. Transformers. Atari. So that was transformative. Oh man, mm-hmm. I never had one. We were big on Atari. Really? Yeah. I think we've talked about the video game I had prior to that. The Pong. Yeah, I had Pong, and then double Pong. Double Pong. Oh, yeah, wow. and then single Pong. <laughs> it was just three variations of Pong. Oh yeah, right. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's like a zenith. Yeah, I think we might have had that same one. The, the control, yep. everything was in one yeah. big unit. Mm-hmm. So you sit. sat right next to your yeah. yep. brother, sister, friend, and yep. did that. Yeah. That was pretty mindless. cool. Mindless. Totally mindless. My brother and I really, really wanted an Atari for Christmas one year. And we were just like, Atari, 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 Atari. And when it came time to like buy Christmas presents, my mom wanted to get an Atari. And my dad was like, no, 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 no. We need to, we should get this Intellivision thing. This is, this looks really <laughs> cool. So he, was that got the Coleco? Eight track? eight track? No, it was it was in television. Okay, yeah. What it was beta, a it was a game system, beta video. Yeah, right. right yeah. That's kind of what oh, that category that kind of went to. We, I mean, we played a lot. Yeah, you know, we ended up getting an Atari a little while later. Yeah. But I mean, the Intellivision wasn't bad. We ended up getting like I don't know thirty games for the thing. Yeah, it had like a little voice modulator. But you stuff. probably didn't have a lot of friends that had it. Nope, that was the problem. Yeah, so we couldn't. You want to get you games. couldn't borrow or oh, anything. Yeah. No. And we already had played Atari and knew some games. We were like, these are the coolest things. Adventure or yeah. Asteroids or, yep. uh, you know, Gunfighter or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Night, Night Racer, something like that. Night Racer, yeah. Yeah. The cool ones. Yep. Fun stuff. All right, guys. Let's say we join up and march right into the Dire Straits album, Brothers in Arms. All right, a few questions before we get into talking tracks, guys. Is Dire Straits a rock band or a blues band? Well, it's a blues rock band. Good answer. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Uh, although I would say, how about this one? Uh, Money for Nothing, New Wave Blues. I would agree with that. I'd agree with I made that, that up. Yeah. It kind of fits the sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was kind of current sound, but... When you listen to the guitar work, I mean, it's blues. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But there's there's so many different elements of other genres on this album especially. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing. I, I'm probably one of those who bought this album saying, I, I you know, really like Money for Nothing. And yeah, those other two songs are good pop songs. And then you got to the rest of the album Whoa, what is this? Yeah. Well, it makes a lot more sense now at my age than it did. Yeah. As a teenager. Yeah. And I was wondering like how many 
people bought the album for those three songs. And then, yeah, like you said, you heard yeah. the rest and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. What is, <laughs> what is yeah. this? This is nothing like, I mean, other than uh, One World, um, it's very different. Yeah. Very, yeah. You get into the whole thing. Yep. Yeah, a little shocking. You're like, is this a compilation album? Right? Mm -hmm. Maybe people are thinking that it's just, you know, greatest hits or something, you know, because it's so different. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into that too. The guitar sound the is very consistent throughout the album. Mm -hmm. The the music accompanying it is very different. Yeah. Compared to some of the earlier Dire Straits, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's different. And it's the same in some ways yeah. too. You know, the albums I brought in tonight, uh, Love Over Gold, especially. It's got Industrial Disease, which oh, I love that song. I love that song. And Telegraph Road, too. Great yeah. song. But Industrial Disease probably could have fit on on this album it's, as well. Um, on, on Walk uh, of Life. I mean, the, the keyboards part is very similar to Walk of Life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it, I mean, it's like the exact same sound. And mm -hmm. yeah, that was the first album that I, well, I remember uh, Industrial Disease. Do you know that song, Dave? I don't know that song, actually. Wow, that no. was, I just loved it's, that song. Yeah, it's really good. So I I found the album at the library, you know, and I checked out the record and uh, copied it at home on cassette. So that was what I, the first uh, Dire Straits album that I had that I listened to. Are they a band? I think that's a question. Well, or is it? That, that leads into my next question. Yeah. Is this band really just a vehicle for the music of Mark Knopfler? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's fine. You know, it's, I think a lot of bands were, they had a name, but there was usually one person in the band that did the majority of the writing. Um, it's kind, kind of his of, brainchild, basically, right? Yeah, you if, only have one president, right? And if <laughs> Mark Knopfler is writing the music and playing the guitar and singing... That covers most of the band. Yeah. Yeah. And producing. And producing. <laughs> so. Right. At least this one. So, anyway. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, mem members came and went. Um, I don't know. Maybe the first couple albums, they were consistent. His brother. What was his brother's name? David. David. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he was on for the first three or so and then kind of realized was, that. Was the first three or just two? Two, I think. Yeah. Two. Yeah. yeah, and so, I, I think I read, you know, this pressure to record, record, tour. He just wasn't into it. And I think it was more that Mark just both was like, yeah. I don't really need you. And, I, I uh, haven't that's delved kind of into it too deeply. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was some tension. I watched something, a little interview with him. David was saying he was basically the only voice of or who, who could have some dissent. Right. And he would. Just you because know, they're related. Exactly. Mark would sure. listen to him sometimes. Yeah. And then they got to the point where he wasn't even listening to him. So he was like, why am I here? Right. So, I mean, he went off to just do his own music stuff and write and produce his own stuff too. Yeah. Probably helped that his last name was Knopfler too. And yeah, he could have been. Did his probably. own stuff. Yeah. I heard him perform uh, on, on the interview too. He just grabbed an acoustic and started performing. He's quite a talented guy himself. Mm -hmm. I mean, in his own right. Yeah, he's I, just not. He's not the the caliber Mark Knopfler. I, I mean, that's what I say. That's rare air. I think I was. I don't know. It was the producer or somebody who was saying that he's like this. David is. He's a great guitarist. Mark, step above. Yes. Mm -hmm. So in his own right, great guitarist. But yeah, yeah. When I your brother is, is like way better. Yeah. <laughs> did Did you guys read? Somewhere that when uh, I'm going back to their first album, 
with Sultans of Swing, which is probably, well, it's probably not their biggest hit, but it's one of them. Close. Yeah. yeah. I, I really, you know, how many years later, 40 years later, still love that song. Um, and I, I was reading prior to him recording this, was he a teacher, an art teacher? Did you read that? I don't yes. know that one. Yeah. Yeah. He would, no, he was an English teacher, I believe. English. I thought I read art, but you know. Yeah, but either he was, way, yeah, he, was he was a teacher. teacher. He was yeah. a, the art of words. Yeah, and he's good at it. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, these songs are, are uh, I mean, he's a singer-songwriter. I mean, yeah. it's, he's not just writing some basic lyrics to, Yeah, where you know. you, you're segueing into my, my next question. That where does Mark Knopfler fit in the ranking of songwriter here? I was listening to this album and doing more research. I was realizing how prolific a songwriter he is, and people were comparing him to some pretty big names. Yeah, like who? Um, Bob Dylan. Yeah, that was one of them. Well, that that's the funny thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when Sultans of Swing came out, a lot of people confused that song for a Dylan song. Like oh. people said, "Ooh, Dylan really stepped He's up his game." It up. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. the voices are kind yeah. of similar. Yeah, uh, Queen. I mean, he's up in the upper echelon of like. Mm. Well, huge bands and performers based on, you know, what was it? Number eight or nine all time selling album yeah. in the UK. And to think of all the, the bands that have come out of the UK to be in that air. Cause I'm sure queen and well, I don't know. You go as far as the Beatles. Do you compare them as a prolific songwriter? I guess he had, hasn't had as many. Right. It's yeah. And the Beatles had they four were, songwriters yeah. too. So never yeah. mind. Yeah. You can't compare those. They but, just put out so much more material yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think of his voice? Unique. I love his voice. Yeah. I love his delivery. And this is, goes back to the kind of blues question, blues rock, because he, that is very much a blues delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a singing, but talking. talking. Yeah. And he doesn't have a huge range. No, and I, I and appreciate that. Yeah. It's big enough. And he's just kind of, yeah, he's just kind of in there and, and sometimes it's almost kind of mumbling and a little mm-hmm. gravelly and yeah. you're not quite sure what he said, but it, yeah, it, I think it's pretty cool. It is very cool. And, okay. and especially when you get away from, you know, the, the three hits on this record into some of the yeah. the slower, lighter songs or whatever, yeah. you really get to hear the character in his voice. Mm-hmm. It's a very clear voice, but he's got his a very unique uh, what do you call it? A timber or something like that? It's a unique sound. And I think the fact that he's writing the songs and everything, he can uh, put a lot more feeling into the songs or something. Yeah, he knows how he... They're his songs. He knows how he wants to sing. Right. Versus if somebody else gave him the lyrics, mm-hmm. like Rush, for example, all right? If, yeah. You know, Getty Lee wasn't writing a lot of the songs. Mm-hmm. Or he would just many, sing yeah. The lyrics, anyway. Interpret- yeah. The lyrics, the lyrics-wise. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, that's tough. Knowing exactly how you want to deliver this because you wrote it, that's a huge yeah. advantage, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And that, Yeah, that's interesting because if you think, if you're doing a cover song, well, you know what the song sounds like. You know how it's delivered and sung. But when you have to sing somebody else's lyrics, man, that seems tough. Yeah. Country artists do it all the time. Oh, I know. I mean, tons with, of fans with do conviction. it all the time. Yeah. And but I just think that that would be hard. I think doing your own music really benefits the song. Yeah. And it, there's a lot of credibility in that, I think. You know, you're mm-hmm. a true singer-songwriter slash artist. Kind of like when you were saying a lot of people probably bought this album for Money for Nothing, and they probably heard a couple other songs that they released as singles that sounded similar, and then you get into the rest of that. 
it's a big surprise, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't realize they had had so many albums before. And I also didn't realize, I think I told you earlier, Sultan's a Swing, I thought was on this album for the longest time because oh, wow. it probably mm -hmm. resurged in the right. people playing it, the radio stations playing that again. Yep. Because it sounds like it could be on the album. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's got that same quality, like sound-wise. Yeah. Well, that's that perfectionist, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, precise playing. and However, you guys... I'm a little older than yeah. you, and <laughs> I remember when Sultan's a Swing came out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I don't remember that. No. I remember um, Sultan's a Swing. I remember hearing that on the radio, Twisting by the Pool. I remember the video for that. What and album was that on? Was that that was, was after EP. this? At, no, was it? it was before. Was it? Yeah. Wow. And uh, so I remember that one, and uh, yeah. and then buying this one, I bought the cassette because I knew, you know, within the next six months or so, I was going to be driving. Oh yeah. So, now, yeah. so I, yeah. now I don't have to convert my albums to cassette. So <laughs> yep. I bought the cassette. Um, and I think this was probably the, the first record that I bought that had such a diverse, uh, the album was so diverse with all the different kinds of songs on it. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that. I mean, it really opened my, eyes and ears and mind to many different kinds of music. Yeah, we'll get into that when we get in and start talking about the yeah. tracks, but it is very diverse. Yeah. Probably the most diverse album for sure that I think we've talked yeah. about. Yeah, and it, I just loved just sitting in my room at night and, you know, with the lights off and listening to this. It's good. Candles. Good stuff. Incense going. Lava lamp. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'll talk about some similarities to another band slash artist a little later too, because I, I agree with you. There's... Um, yeah, there's there's a quality with this album that makes you want to just really dive deep into it and mm -hmm. and note for note listen and understand where he's going and yeah, you know lyrically too. Yeah, there's just a lot of uh, really and this, meaningful stuff. This album inspired me to go back in their catalog and uh, snatch up their albums before that. Good, yeah. So. Been listening to Dire Straits for a long time. Did you guys know that um, he also wrote nine soundtracks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know nine. I knew he'd nine, done a lot yeah. of. One of them was Princess Bride. Princess Bride. That's probably yeah, that's, the, the most, most the well most, known. Yep. Are they all instrumentals? I believe for the most part. I think it was probably yeah. the scores. That scores. Yeah. yeah, I've got yeah. to listen to more of that. Yeah. I bet they're good. Yeah, we'll probably get into this as we go through the tracks, but um, he's ranked by Rolling Stone as the 27th on the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. Mm. He's got a, such a unique sound to his playing. Yeah. With not using a pick and only using his fingers. Mm -hmm. It's so distinctive in its own right. And he's such a phenomenal guitarist. Yeah. You yep. know? That's why he's probably got more than a little blister on. <laughs> right. Yeah. If he's not using a pick. Well, I mean, his, he's, his guitar work is like another voice on the album. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's all over. Yeah. I mean, I, I could get into my comparison right now if you want me to. As far as albums or some no, of his, this the, other group or how, other record yeah. or something. Go for oh, it. Yeah. If you're just talking about the out, the uh, band comparison, sure. I, um, I really think he evokes a bit of David Gilmore in his playing. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Especially the slow tunes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk a little more about that later, but, uh, there's one in it's, particular. 
Yeah. For, well, one in particular, and but throughout, I I just yeah kept thinking. This is so he had been listening to the wall. <laughs> well, I mean, just David Gilmore in general. Mm, okay. I think he sounds a little like him too. He does, and some of the music too. So we'll talk about that later. Ready to get into some tracks? Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, as is our tradition here, I'll uh, go through, label them, or n- name them off, and then we'll uh, circle back to talk about them individually. All right, side one, So Far Away, Money for Nothing, Walk of Life, Your Latest Trick, Why Worry? We flip it over to side two for Ride Across the River, The Man's Too Strong, One World, and Brothers in Arms. So we start off the album with So Far Away. I'm just going to add to something you said there. Um, they said that this was the first album that sold a million compact discs. Yeah. So at this time, I mean, they're buying, they're selling tapes, they're selling records, they're selling CDs. Um, so in a sense, you know, I'm always thinking about song orders and everything. They're kind of getting into that phase where we're, we got a CD now and people are going to listen straight through without flipping over flipping the record over. Yeah. So that's kind of a new, newish thing around this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To think about there's no, there's no stop here and right. Long couple minute and, pause for them to literally flip the album over. And then what I'm really curious about too, is the first three songs are their three big hits from the album, the three big singles. Right. Yeah. Why do you put three right in a row? Yeah, I was wondering that as well. Because record companies, before they put it out, they know which which ones are going to be singles. They know which one they're going to release first, second, and third, and fourth, if it gets that far. Why three in a row? I don't know. So the rest of the songs, although there's a couple more up, up upbeat. I think there's one more upbeat after this. One. One world. world? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you so you and that's and that's the second to last song. Yeah. So you flip it over in your and right you're, across the river, great song. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, don't know the thinking the whole, on that either. Uh, it's I, I, I have thought one. about that because you have three very similar sounding songs mm-hmm. who are all like big sounding. Yeah. And then you just take it right down. Yeah. So it's like this big swell. And then the wave lands on the beach, and now we're just going to chill for a while. Yeah, and then we're going to flip the record over, and we're going to keep chilling. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the... But somebody got it right. I mean, they sold 30 million records, so I guess that didn't matter. (laughs) Had enough of those big hits that people bought it, right? Or maybe maybe they thought people wouldn't find these other songs mixed in with the the slower songs. I think you're onto something there. And they said, we got to stick these together, otherwise we might lose people. Those other songs would not have sold, you know, if it was an album full of slow mm-hmm. songs, it just wouldn't be what it is. So, you know, it might've been the perfect storm too. You know, MTV was yeah. getting really big. CDs are coming out. Albums are still huge. There's no streaming radio. I guess radio airplay was still a big thing. So yeah, you see these hits, Hit after hit, you read the first three. I'm like, well, man, that's great. Don't know anything about the rest of them, but I'm going to buy those because those are great yeah. tunes. Yeah, could be. The MTV thing is interesting too because they were, you know, a little older by the time this came out. Mm-hmm. You know, 
they're not MTV looking people. No. Not at all. I always, <laughs> I always thought the headbands were kind of goofy. Well, looking. yeah. You know, so it's funny. And so that's, you know, we'll get into that song. Yeah. Why, yeah, yeah. why that was so popular. Yes. So where were we? Back well, to the first Back song. to the first song. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So far away. It's the mm-hmm. one we're talking about right now. It's got a nice punchy guitar hook. And I mean, it gets you into that right away. There's, you know, kind of going back to the songwriting, there is just very mature song lyrics and songwriting throughout this whole album. Yep. You know, it's kind of a mass appeal so far away and, and others on this album. Yeah. It's kind of a mass appeal sound um, because it's got elements of country, definitely the blues playing. It's, um, I don't want to say easy listening because that's actually. Well, it uh, does get into easy listening. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I bet you some of this stuff made it to Muzak and Elevators oh, because yeah. it's such a recognizable tune, mm-hmm. at least those first three. Yeah. So it, it's, a, like I said, a very mass appeal sound. Um, and so far away, I, I could I could see my parents enjoying that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yet a teenager, just good stuff. Long, I mean, it, yeah. it, it's, it's hard to put a finger on one particular thing it's just yeah enjoyable to listen to i hard hard to to categorize i guess and I maybe was, maybe that's why it's such a uh, was such a hit because universal hit there yeah mm-hmm. yeah was there much else out like this that sounded like this no not really no, no. especially in the mid that's what 80s. that's what's cutting through the noise here right yeah Probably why it gained some popularity is because mm-hmm. it was so different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to this album on a streaming service and I was, this first song even, I'm like, it sounds like they could have ended the song about a minute earlier. And then I did some more research and realized, oh, this is like the double LP version and four songs are like the extended play version. Mm, okay. <laughs> there's an extra minute 13 on this song that I was listening to. And I'm yeah. Like, I didn't remember it being this long. Yeah. Well, all all the songs. Well, not all the songs, but yeah. When you take like "Money for Nothing," which was like a I don't know seven minute song, or it's a seven six, minute song. Yep. Yeah. There's an but, extended version of that one too, with an extra minute twenty two. But what you you saw on MTV and heard on the radio were, you know, four and a half minute song. Or yeah. They faded out pretty yeah. early and yeah. cut verses out and, and okay. so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, seven minutes would be a super long video, and it'd oh, probably yeah. just the cost of making oh, it too for that, for no that way. long would have been really. And holding people's attention that long is, is tough, too. It is. Yep. All right, moving on to the big one, Money for Nothing. Man, what a uh, massive buildup to yeah. to what is one of probably the top 10 uh, guitar riffs of all time. I mean, yeah. everybody knows the opening guitar Or riff. even just before that, the drums. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> and that's yeah. that massive buildup. It just, yeah. boy, I was listening in the car. Uh, on the way over and again because it was engineered so well it sounds so good deep bass and precise instruments and um, you you can't help but get into that song through the massive buildup of the beginning Mm -hmm. so for the people who've never heard this song before didn't know this this song song features sting from the police right yes who is credited as co-writing this song because they use the melody for Don't Stand So Close to Me as 
right. I want my MTV when he's when he sings that. Right. And they couldn't get around that. Well, that kind of blows my mind. I didn't never <laughs> yeah. made that connection until <laughs> right now. But yeah, you know, I, I think I can't unhear didn't it. really care, but the record company did. Correct. Yeah, the record company. Mm. They, want, they wanted their money. Get around that. They didn't give away money for nothing. So the whole the whole I want my MTV thing, that that was funny to me because I grew up with MTV. I mean, from more or less the day it came out, not realizing that around the United States there were people who did not get MTV, and like me. I did not understand that that your you just, cable company wasn't carrying MTV. Wasn't that part of their messaging though? Oh, it well, totally yeah, was. They had that's all where the this came from. Yeah. Oh, okay. I want my MTV, yeah. and I'm like. I have the MTV. What, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. Well, it's for all your friends that are over who are watching it. And they're like, yeah, we want our MTV. Why can't we get it? I'm trying to remember who were all in the, I want my MTV I remember, commercials. I remember Billy Idol. I remember yeah. Pat Benatar. I remember Cindy Lauper. Yes. Um, yeah. Madonna. Man, it's all coming back. Yeah. Yeah, Good all memory. the little segments. Speaking of MTV, this was the first video to air on MTV Europe, Europe when it launched yeah. August 1st, 87. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. August 1st, 87. Well, they didn't when, have MTV in Europe. That's wild. Yeah. They had a lot of people screaming, I want my MTV. I guess so. so. It made sense. They finally, they finally got, got it. Because when did it go on the air in the U.S.? I want to say like 1981. 81. Yeah. August of 81. Wow, that's a long time to wait. Sorry, mm -hmm. Europe. So, yeah, you know, it's six years. Well, they had didn't they have something equivalent? They were showing videos in uh, oh in the yeah, UK I'm already. sure they had something but else, just but not MTV. That, that name recognition, yeah. of MTV. They had Top of the Pops. Yeah, everybody was like, "What is this that uh, in this Dire Straits song? What's this MTV thing they're singing about?" That's right. <laughs> I don't I get it. Thinking, I was thinking, do you want a guaranteed way to get your song on MTV in the first That's rotation, <laughs> the first time you pitch it? Yeah. Well, include the well, there you I go. want my MTV, right? Brilliant yeah. marketing, Mark Knopfler. Good <laughs> yeah. job. Well, my, my son James was talking, we were talking about videos on, on the podcast, and he's like, how did you guys used to watch videos? He couldn't figure out, you know, right. you didn't have yeah. the internet. Where are you watching music videos? Oh, over the, And yeah. like, oh, there's this thing called MTV where you watch them on TV 24 hours a day and it's music videos. Yep. Oh, I'm like, wow, I felt old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of are old. Yeah. But not, as, not, old as, not as old as Lance. Not as old as Lance. No. So what was the uh, overall message in this song? Working class guys in the store. Yeah. That's what it's based on. So Mark Knopfler had a, it's based on a conversation in a New York City appliance store. And there was a delivery person talking to him um, who had been, I guess he's, there's like a male employee dress and a baseball cap, work boots, the working class guy, checkered shirt. He was delivering some boxes. And by that area, standing next, next to him was like a wall full of TVs and had MTV on there. So he stopped and was having a conversation with Mark and that's where he got a lot of these lyrics from. So this guy was dropping word, lines such all as all these like, lines in the. What song? are those Hawaiian Hawaiian noises? Oh, that ain't working, you know. So he was just like, "Can I borrow a pen?" Yeah, and not noted some of these things down. Them down. A lot of them made it in the did song. He, did he credit this dude? <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably guy sounds like name. he wasn't very happy. I know that. Oh really? Well, yeah. I oh, mean, no, not about to, that. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> not getting credit as, that's right as that an employee. About. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, wasn't wasn't a happy guy. Yep, 
they were trying to get some kind of a ZZ top sound on this guitar too. That's why it has a little bit different tone to everything mm-hmm. else. To, a little fuzzy. Yeah, exactly. It, which was actually by accident. Have yep. you read that same I did, thing? Yeah. yeah. That mm. was kind of cool. I didn't realize that they were trying to get a ZZ top sound though. Yeah. But I mean, hearing it compared to some ZZ top songs now, you're like, oh, I can hear that a little bit. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. It doesn't sound anything like ZZ Top. No, it doesn't, but just the... I mean, the music. The sound. Yep. The sound for the guitar. Well, it's... Okay, this is a much different song than pretty much anything else this band has ever done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know? It's huge. Yeah. It's got a huge sound. It's got so much going on. Yep. And even their their next album, uh, On Every Street, which came out six years later, there's nothing like Money for Nothing on there. Yeah. So yeah, well, it kind of, in a way, it was a one-off song, sound that they went with. Yeah, for sure. And maybe that's kind of Mark saying, okay, to keep himself interested, ah, been there, done that, don't want to repeat it because he has a certain kind of integrity to him. Oh, for sure. Or for sure. Kind of yeah. Went, we're moving on. We're not going to just, oh, that was a hit. Now we'll make every song sound like this one. Except the industrial disease and walk of life. <laughs> oh okay yeah i mean they have definitely have a signature dire yeah. straits sound but for sure money for nothing was a, a different thing for this band but massively popular and one of the the video the first uh what do you call it the cgi oh, the cgi, CGI. Yeah. yeah that was the that the, was a that was a new thing. thing yeah and, and it's got a very distinctive look in, in, the whole thing. And you were talking about uh, the way the guy looked in the store when he was writing this. Yeah. The character is based on that. Yeah. And you look at the, the computer. Those two kind of working guys yeah. who are moving stuff around, yep. moving refrigerators. Yep. I believe I read they won a, mm, was it a Grammy or something? They won an MTV Music oh, Award yeah. for it. For the video. And get this, you know what they're who they were up against? Take on me by uh huh, which was another CGI. Yeah, which that was might even be probably better as far as video goes. Yeah, Yeah. so that was a technique called rotoscoping, where they literally draw over frames, right, Mm -hmm. and then shoot those individually. So like when um, you see Mark Knopfler and his band playing on the stage, and they have those like fluorescent lines going around Mm -hmm. them and all that. That's all rotoscoping. So the CGI part of that was like when you see those cartoon characters, you know, moving, going into the TV. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's all the CGI and the stuff. dog barking and stuff. Yeah, rawr, rawr, rawr. yeah. Iconic video though, very I mean, much so. That's it. The song is what got me hooked. I mean, I heard yeah. that song and I'm like, oh, I got to get this album. It's you were I, probably not alone. My uh, <laughs> my, I was going on a camping trip with another. Uh, family friends of ours and my friend Danny loved this song and I, I had brought my Walkman with me and a bunch of other cassettes and he had this song and he listened to it over and over. I remember he's sitting in the tent just he would listen to the song he rewinded. He listened to it he rewinded. <laughs> he's just over and over. He just loved it. <laughs> just couldn't get enough. I think just I Just killed my batteries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've probably done that with some songs over the years too. Yeah, I definitely have, especially with new ones that come out and you buy yeah. a single. Yep. I don't want the flip side. I just want that single. Yep. Mm-hmm. Enter Sandman comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to Walk of Life. What a fun song it is. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, again, 
you know, kind of genre crossing. It has kind of a 50s, 60s feel. Boom, that's what I had. Did you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. total 50s. Oh. No, yeah. yeah. And again, I think that's what led to the mass appeal of this song and this album because a lot of people could relate to it mm-hmm. across all across, walks of life. Yeah. Oh, all right. See that time? Good night, go. everyone. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Very good. So now I'm, I'm putting this uh, song order list down. Uh, I would have had this as the first song on the record. I would actually agree with that because I think this is a stronger opener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just super positive. And like and I said, upbeat. they sold 30 million. What do I know? I know. Yeah. It doesn't true. even matter. Yep. Okay, let's talk about when the singles were released. Um, was it one, two, three? Mm-mm. Money for nothing was first. Really? I, no, I thought I had read that. Um, well, see, you're you're talking different countries. They different countries release different songs. That at could different be times. Yeah. Oh, so in the U.S., money for nothing was first. Yep. I think uh, Walk of Life was second. Hmm. The other thing was, I I want to say that. In some other country, uh, I think the first single was, maybe it was So Far Away, and on the flip side of the single was Walk of Life. Oh, was that a mistake? Mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Well, they still stole 30 30 million copies. They just released it later is what they did. So Yeah. Didn't didn't hurt. No, didn't hurt. hurt Money coming in at all. Yep. But yeah, I had that 50s feel to it. Um, Yeah. Sorry to steal your thunder. No, <laughs> just, that, no, that was. Yeah, I agree. Agree. We're yeah. on the same wavelength. Exactly. On that one. Yeah. yeah. This is just an enjoyable, positive song, start to finish. About yeah. a street performer. Is that what it's about? Yeah. Yeah. Playing the oldies, the goldies, the gold on the street. Yeah. A lot of little phrases Wonder, in the song, you know, Babalula, baby, what I say. Yeah. Just kind of. Yeah. That's that gave it that's, that fifties doo wop kind yes. of feel to it. I put that song on the, my kids' compilation CD back in the day, so they know it. That's it, a good parent. They, they all, those first three, they all hold up really well. You know, a lot of music from different eras. You go back and go, oh, I can tell what era that came from, and it's not very great anymore, but <laughs> this stuff, it's still great. It holds up. It, it, it holds really up. stands the test of time. Yep. All right, moving on to your latest trick. This harkens back for me to some earlier stuff, early material from them, because I I dove back a little bit. I I mean, yeah, you're right. And the rest of the album harkens back to a lot of their early stuff. Boy, jazz comes to mind. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Saxophone all over. It's almost like, uh, well, yeah, maybe I can get into my comparisons now. Um, Let's do it. I. This and the next tune, I think, are very Pink Floyd esque to me. Really, mm. this yes. is not the one I was going to. No, no. Why worry more so? Because it's mostly instrumental. Yeah, and it evokes probably like Dark Side of the Moon, sort of. You know, not not the Wall Pink Floyd, but more the David Gilmore influenced precise guitar playing. Um, you said this that, one, or why worry? Well, why worry mostly? But I think okay. I think your latest trick does a bit as well with with the sax, because Floyd, you know, they used brass. But I I don't think Floyd's is jazzy. No, I hear I know I know they have sax, it, but it's it's uh, more bluesy. Yeah, 
for sure. This is more jazzy sax. And I'll go back and say, why worry more so? But these tunes, these slow tunes, the way they interweave brass, uh, you know, there's, a, I think, a trumpet in there too, mm-hmm. isn't there? Yeah. Um, and the precise playing and just if you put your headphones on and <laughs> get the um, lights down low yeah. with your lava lamps, this is f- kind of Floyd-like to me. Yeah, I reg- I agree with that on all the other ones, but latest trick I'm I'm gonna have to disagree. Yeah, unless and, I go back and listen to it, and if I can if I can drown out the sax, maybe then I might be able to buy what you're saying. I'll, yeah. I'm gonna quote for you um, a critic by the name of Paul Rees from Classic Rock Magazine. He says rated your he rated your latest trick to be Dire Straits' tenth greatest song, saying that it stirs up the humid, smoky atmosphere of a Latino cantina at midnight. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yep. Yep. That's the vibe, Yeah, in my mind. It's just really, all of these slow tunes are so um, <laughs> relaxing to yeah. listen to. Uh, the playing, no matter what instrument, it's all really good. Mm-hmm. They're all different among themselves, too. Like, distinctively yeah the players the songs songs. they have a similar guitar sound just because it's mark knopfler but i think they're so different among themselves throughout the album for sure yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. all the slower ones like that though this is the one song that i say doesn't quite fit on the album if i were to pick a song oh i got another one for that one oh you do oh yeah okay this this one too i would agree this is not i'm not a huge fan of this song I think coming out of uh, those three songs and then going into this one, it's harsh. That is, yeah. That oh, it's yeah. It's that flow it's just abrupt. Gets How about that? Killed. Yeah, it's very abrupt. You're like, whoa, this is. Oh, we're throwing in sax now, and it's like super slow, and it's really broken down. Yeah. And Dave, you'll remember this when we were in college, <laughs> uh, lip sync contest. Yes, and there were uh, three guys who did this song. It's a long a song. Sync. It's a f- almost a five-minute song. It was I, like, well, I, this is cool for a minute. And you're like, wow, does this song ever end? And how much can you do with yeah. this song? Yeah. And it's the early days it's, of lip syncs. And you know there wasn't much planned choreography. So oh, it was a lot of word. just walking walking around a stage. So somebody had a, they had a saxophone. Yeah, because that was they were. And they would pass the hat and put it, it on the you. next guy. Oh, the, the next hat. guy would, the hat. would do a little his little mm. next verse. And, but then it was like, wow, this is too long. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I know it was, no. it was tough. You don't want to. Yeah. It was, and they, and they had cigarettes too. Oh, remember they were right. smoking. Cause that was like a big deal. They had to get permission to smoke yes. in the theater. Cause at the end they all took a puff and. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it kind of fits the mood of that song. It, it totally does. Yeah. They do. But for six or seven minutes, Mm-mm. Well, it's, uh, that's more than one five. cigarette. If yeah. you have to watch, really chain smoking? If you have to watch that for that. No, long. they weren't chain smoking. <laughs> Although, yeah, it probably went through the whole cigarette because oh, it's yeah. a long time. <laughs> All right, let's move on to why worry. I really like this song. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. I that, really like this one, and that's why I, you know, made the comparison to Gilmore. Yeah, but you know, it's mostly instrumental with a few words. And well, to be descriptive, but it's another man, put it on the good set of headphones mm-hmm. and this yeah. sounds so cool. You know, I probably would have bought this album for this song, 
later in my life. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. some of these other songs we've been talking about, the slower ones, you know, the, the young teenager in me would have went like, up, ah, skip, oh, yeah. slow, skip, yeah. don't care, skip. Yep. Because life experience helps you understand these more and probably appreciate these more. For mm -hmm. sure. This one almost comes across to me as like a lullaby. Yeah. If you listen to that with that in mind, yeah. it's it's totally like a lullaby. And good, positive, you know, looking up lyrics and yeah. yeah. Why worry? This is actually covered by the Everly Brothers on their 85 album, Born Yesterday, too. What? Yeah. Wow. They liked, it, liked it so much. And it's very, you listen to the Everly Brothers version, it's almost identical. Mm. And mm. hearing those guys do it, you're like, oh, <laughs> this sounds like an Everly Brothers song, of yeah. course. But it's it's very much in line with their style yeah. of writing and singing. Boy, I'm going to listen to that later. Yeah, it's cool. I bought a a compilation CD. It was like two discs. It was like a green piece disc. Like, I don't know, it must have been some sort of, you know, funding for Greenpeace. I don't know. I bought it used, so I wasn't going directly to Greenpeace. So <laughs> Greenpeace.com. <laughs> but this song, they contributed this song to that album, except it didn't have the whole, you know, instrumental ending. It kind of, as the the lyrics were done, the song ended. Because this song, how long is this song, Dave? 522. 522. This, the extra double LP ending adds another three minutes. Yeah. Oh, I want to hear that. Yeah. So where do you see, where do you get that? Um, is it on, it's, it's the Spotify It's version. the Spotify, yeah, yeah. So you listen to it on Spotify, maybe Apple Music too. Hopefully. That's so if, you, if it's 831 on your counter there, 8 minutes, 31 seconds, that's the extended version. So I, I would say this version that was on this compilation was probably four to five minutes. And then, you know, just basically cut out the whole ending, which is, yeah. I can see why they did it because that's a long song. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. but very cool guitar work on that that ending just and you talked about when you know he's a little quieter here you can hear all the little nuanced stuff and maybe you can't always make out what he's saying but it's just it's just so cool yeah. that's that's the charm of his vocals yes and yep. others who where you can't quite make it out right that's totally fine yeah yeah all right let's flip it over to side two ride across the river what do you think about this song guys love it this yeah. one's cool one of my favorites, I think, on the album. Really? Yeah. This song is like, it's so out of place for me. I don't I don't mind it. It's not my favorite song, but it's a very like worldly sound. Oh, from totally. all the other instruments on here. Yeah, okay. And this is like him just not sticking to any one genre again on the album. I'm yeah. glad you said that. I, I said it's kind of like an island feel. Um, um, a little, yeah. Caribbean sort of feel. I was thinking Vietnam. Yeah, wow, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a bit of a war song, um, so that was that's the vibe I always got. But that that kind of bass line going through, and that's that's where you need a good set of headphones. Yes, for this yeah. one. That's, yeah, there, you're right. You there get is that bass. Yep. going and uh, <laughs> my son Matthew was listening to this song, and uh, he was wearing some, you know, noise canceling big headphones for work because he's mowing lawns all day. Oh, yeah. He's like, you can hardly hear the bass at all. <laughs> so yeah. you need a good, I always, I always like this song. It's a good test song. If you want to test your speakers and see if they're sounding good, this is a good one to throw on. Well, this whole album. Well, yeah, that too. I mean, I mean, that's why I really appreciate the whole, um, 
attention to detail with Mark Knopfler. Yeah. That we were mentioning earlier in the, in the episode here. Um, and, and in some ways, I'll go back to Floyd. I mean, Floyd is that way too. Mm-hmm. A lot of attention to detail in the music. And I, I love an album where you can hear people playing. That's not too muddled and, you know, layered. And this is not that way either. Um, so I think that's partly why I appreciate it so much. Uh, you know, message wise, uh, again, this, there's some war stuff, isn't mm-hmm. there, you know, and we'll get to brothers in arms too, yeah, but yeah, he's very, um, socially social commentary mm-hmm. in, in this, you know, a few of the lines about how soldiers become war weary and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no uh, schmaltzy, no kitschy sort of stuff here. It's very deep. None of this is really the yeah. whole album. Right. 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 Yeah. Cause he's, He's a mature songwriter. Yeah. You know, even from the get-go, I think that first album too. I mean, I, he's not writing the uh, the shallow lyrics like we've heard on right. some earlier albums we've reviewed. Yeah. If I'm listening to us, <laughs> I'd really be inspired to give this album a listen. Totally. Yeah. You know? Yes. I hope, and this is I hope people I, are. I wish I would have. And don't give up on it. Go I wish ahead. I would have had this album. I didn't have this album. I knew I had a, a good friend who had it and I listened to a, a lot of the songs. So I knew most of the songs. And the slow ones, it, again, that teenage me would be like, nah, skip it, yep. skip it. Yeah. But boy, you really appreciate them now more than ever. Yep. I loved the the kind of keyboard flute-ish sound that went throughout this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's what kind of makes me, I don't know why jungly sounds for, but I don't know. All right, let's move on to The Man's Too Strong. Is this the one you're going to say doesn't fit on the album? Didn't you say you had I, one or is that coming um, up? No, actually that was, yeah, actually that was right across the river, I think, just because it was so, oh, okay. so different. Yep. Yeah, that it just seemed to not fit on the album th- thematic wise mm-hmm. because it, it just had this otherworldly feel. Like it was like part of another album we just grabbed a song from and stuck it on here. Yeah, see, that's how I feel about uh, your latest trick. Yeah. That same way. I That one too for me, I guess. This song was probably the most country feeling to me mm-hmm. on the, the album. The man's too strong. Yeah. Yeah. And and I really like that. But there's something about this song that bugged me a little bit. And there's a some power chords interspersed throughout. And I think they're a little harsh and jarring. And maybe they're supposed to be mm-hmm. for context of what he's trying to say. It's it's really in your face those power chords. So yeah, you're talking right after he says the chorus. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of it. I, I like the song. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. um, but just the way they, <laughs> that those chords present themselves, it was just a little too bright and too much mm-hmm. in the mix. They're jarring. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. jarring. And up until that point, I thought I had kind of have this Johnny Cash, Tennessee, Ernie exactly. Ford. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of feel to it. And then you get to that and you're like, whoa, holy yeah. cow. What, what happened there? Yeah. Right. You know who's kind of doing that now in his music is Robert Plant. Huh. He does a lot of Americana stuff. Um, well, he's done so many different yeah. weird genres. But his his some of his stuff that he's doing with Allison Krauss now too, it'll be country and then there'll be some power chords mixed in and... It's it's good, just a little different. For yeah, me. it's yeah. as far as the rest of the songs on the album, 
it's not one of my favorite. And this is this is kind of about a guy who's going to be put to death, isn't it? Kind of more or less. So he, there's something in there about you know feeling terrible about what he'd been done, and he's maybe is there like a confession? Yeah, yeah. So it's so pr- I pretty think, dark stuff. You know, again. you know, he could be getting ready to be hung or something. Yeah. And, uh, so you know, when you hear those chords, for yeah, exactly. So it is it for like war song. crimes or something? Yeah, for like war that? crimes. Yeah, yeah. So. so yeah, it does fit. It just yeah feels weird. Yeah, yeah. it fits the motif though. All right, let's move on to One World. I love the bass line on this one. Yeah. This is probably my favorite song on the album. Oh, is it? Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I just, everything about this, it just it got a good groove and the sound. And I think just because it is a little funky. And bl- pretty bluesy too. Very yeah, bluesy. Think, yeah. yeah I, I like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he can't, get, can't find the antidote for it. <laughs> for the blues. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. So, and... Can't get it out on his blue guitar. So tell me this if I'm wrong, Dave. I don't know why I think of you when I think of this song. Because like when we were in college, I remember you like talking about this song and somehow mentioning that your friend Channing's brother had this album and you listening to this song or something. I don't remember telling you about that, but that's who had the album. Yeah. It was his brother. Yeah. So I remember this song specifically, I remember you talking about. And maybe this is just like talking about the the sleeves for your records and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That just popped in my mind as I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't remember talking to you about the song, but yeah, it's, I mean, obviously my favorite on the album. Yeah. And for some reason, it just stuck with me even more than the other popular songs on the album. Hmm. But it it ties in with those first three. Like yeah. if you're going to yes. lump ones yes. together, this yeah. would be with those. Yeah. It's certainly more up temple. And, and, and if you take, take away the first three songs and the rest of them, this one doesn't fit in now. It doesn't fit in with the other oh, five, yeah, yeah. five songs that are surrounded. This, no, is, the, exactly. this is the odd duck yeah. now. Yeah. It's now the Which, odd duck. Yes, right. What you're left with there. Yeah. Totally. Maybe they should have, should the have second to last song, one. the second to last song on the second side is this one. After you've just gone through, you know, four, kind of mellow songs mm-hmm. and then this one and then you really drop it down yeah weird weird stuff yeah maybe maybe there was no rhyme or reason who knows yeah would love to ask that question of the record company yeah or if mark had some say in how the songs progressed yeah i don't know I, you know Do I, artists i i always uh, sometimes but yeah. sometimes not um i was just reading uh billy joel album what's the river one river came out in like 93 i think it was his last river of dreams river of yeah. dreams the last yeah. album he did and he said that song is basically in the order that he wrote the, wrote the songs oh that he wrote the song that he wrote the songs wow and and it's got kind of a thread of you know he's kind of angry when he's writing these first ones and then he's kind of gets into a faith thing towards the end but that was meant to be in that order now so, I'm going to go listen to that album. Yeah, too. yeah totally. That's I haven't. Cool I know. Album. I want to listen to that too now. It's a cool album cover, if I remember right. It's got his wife, I think, painted that. Did she? Yeah. yeah. Oh, his it's wife got all the, time. the dreams. Yes. Dave, yeah. don't, don't give me that look. No, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I was like, it's a little the cringy. painting one. It's a little it's cringy. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can pull it up, Lance. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, so song order wise, this one fits in kind of weird yeah 
well, like you mentioned before, this isn't how we would probably order them. Yeah. But again, it sold 30 million copies. Yeah. What do we know? We know nothing. Yeah. We're just three guys who like to reorder songs for no current <laughs> reason. That's right. And talk so about we can them. resell them That's so they right. will sell more. All right. All right. Let's wrap up the uh, song list with Brothers in Arms. So this is the Pink Floyd vibes that I was referring to, Lance. Yeah. I mean, the arrangement for sure. Um, but again, I hear it on a lot of these tunes. Yeah. And I and the reason I said uh, The Wall I mean, you got three kind of war songs in here yeah. that yeah. kind of have that feel. That's why I was thinking yeah. that. That they were listening to down. the wall. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. But, it, I mean, the guitar work on here, too, totally. is, oh, I just hear Gilmore. I don't know why. I, but I think they're both very precise players, and um, their their guitars kind of sing. Mm-hmm. You know, it it really is well, they're part both, of. Well, they're both like blues rock players. Yeah. I mean, they're both very similar in their style yeah that guitar work really makes dire straits and i can see why he's what one of the top 30 guitarists whatever his uh, vocal delivery in the song is very intimate Mm -hmm. it's very gentle and soft and spoken and you really hear you know i guess the digital recording the technology of the time where they could really capture that those little nuances that and CDs coming out at the time where, you know, maybe on the record, you're not going to catch as much as that as you are now. Mm-hmm. A little, well, ha- little haunting too. Totally haunting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's again, a heavy subject. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's talking about, I guess this one was about the Falklands war, right. which was a couple of years prior to, right. to the, to this album being recorded. I think there's a line I wrote it down. It's, We're fools to make war on our brothers in arms. Mm-hmm. You know, it just really heavy, and thus the vocal delivery yeah. uh, has to be emotional, right? And he he captured it. Any other thoughts before we wrap up the album here? I'm just gonna say, um, Mark Knopfler. He didn't like the fame. He did not like how big this album got and that's kind of how he why he disbanded dire straits and kind of went into his soundtrack stuff just plus he had a pile of money where he didn't have to go he didn't, didn't <laughs> make need <another>. to <laughs> but he kept making music so it's not he like did, he walked yeah. away from music he just walked yeah. away from the band because i mean let's face it name me some of his uh, other stuff Either after solo this? after yeah. this, either no, solo no. or soundtrack. I mean, you don't know. No. But he was out there. Yeah. But that's probably just how he wanted it. I'll give you a quote by him on that whole fame subject. He says, if you can think of anything good about fame, I'd like to know what it is. <laughs> There's the all-telling comment. Yep. Yep. I, I have a quote by him that says, he's talking about dire straits. He says, I put the thing to bed because I wanted to get back to some kind of reality. Yeah. I can appreciate his not wanting to be out in the limelight all the time and having to put on some kind of front or just no. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I, I, I think when I was looking up some quotes, cause I know he was kind of famous for not being famous. Right. right? Not be, So there's a newspaper article was writing about that and they had a photo of him. Um, sitting outside some kind of cafe 
and he was playing whatever show in this big city that night and no one recognized him, mm. right? He's not a famous right. figure that yep. people, a lot of people would recognize. And I think he enjoys that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's time to give our personal rating this album, gentlemen, from zero to oh, 10. Man. I know you never you think of that until I the don't. last minute. I'm glad. I'm surprise. Glad. Yes, surprise yes. you every time. Okay. All right. Where do you guys stand on this one? Zero to 10. Brian's going first because Lance is pointing at Brian because he doesn't want to go first. Yep. And I'm helping stall a little bit so Lance can have a little bit longer to think about it well, in addition to Brian thinking about it a little bit longer. And now Brian has to give a rating. I'm going to rate this one pretty high because, I mean, there's not a song on here that I don't like. And the overall flow of the thing is really good. Great variety. Introduced me to a lot of different stuff that I would have never listened to. I'm giving it a nine. Wow, that is really high. That's high, Dave. That's high. That is That's really high. Way up there in the stratosphere. <laughs> yep. Lance, you going nine? I'm not I, pressuring you either way because I'm going to be yeah. going lower. Last you know, week, I know we pressured you. Or last <laughs> yeah. time, I'm, we, I'm not going to pressure. Yeah, I you, guess I pressured you. you. Pressured, yeah. And and I did have somebody comment on that, and he said, "Yeah, you were right to talk him into a high rating." <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you help justify how we should be rating these, I think. Yeah. 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 And Lance agreed. Yeah. And I, I you know what? I I love early Dire Straits. I love this album. Is it as good in my mind as the early stuff? No, but you know what? We're rating them on the album itself, so I'm going to go nine as well. Nice. Yeah. Wow. It, it just, it's a sit down all the way through and... You know, not just once a year sort of. I, I still listen to it somewhat regularly. Yeah. I am nowhere near as high as you guys. Whoa. But I'm not as low as you think. Mm. Okay, no. we're going to have to talk them into it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You're not going to talk me any higher. Because, I, like I said, I never had this album. So I, yeah. know, I know some of the popular songs. It's given me a greater appreciation for the songs I hadn't listened to as much. Um, and maybe a year or two down the road, if I have some more affinity for those other songs they'd probably rate it higher but for right now it's a seven for me okay solid album i love a lot of the songs not all of them mm -hmm. obviously but yeah it's a good seven for me Just i give it a few more listens and i think you'll one thing i've learned about dave with this podcast is a lot of these albums you never had yeah you're you're probably doing the deepest dive into these albums of yeah, the three of us. Very true. Because it's like all of these, it seems like Lance and I, we've had the albums. We've been listening to it since we were kids, teenagers. Yeah. Yep. And you're diving into a lot of the stuff for the first time. And maybe it's saying like, oh yeah, I kind of remember this, but not knowing the stuff like we do. Yeah. Because like you say, oh, we're going to do this album. Yeah, I know all the songs. Yeah. Now I'm going to do a deeper dive and I'm going to listen to it and I'm really going to critique it now. But I know all these songs. And I've been listening to it for 35 years or 40 years. Yep. I'm just doing my best job of representing those who have probably not heard the album and giving it a you know, score according to that. Yeah. I don't, there's, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who haven't heard the album. Right. Or have just heard those few songs like I have. So, so we probably that's have that's a, what I'm representing. We have a deeper connection to it. You don't maybe yeah. have that deep connection. And Correct. so you're really coming from a, a different angle. Yes. And so you know, for my own personal preferences for music too mm -hmm. you know doing this podcast has really opened me up to listening to music that i probably wouldn't have sat through like this one i mean i probably would have been skipping some of these songs if i didn't need to listen to them yeah to review mm -hmm. the album 
but it it forced me to really pay attention and you know some of those songs i probably would have skipped years ago i really like yeah yeah so why worry yeah good job Uh, okay it's it's getting to you but (laughs) but i will say this seven out of ten is average right is that like a C? Oh, that's high. Um, well, I mean, five out of ten would be just like right down the middle, right? Yeah, I suppose we can't. I mean, yeah. can't put it on a. Right. It's above average. Oh yeah. Okay. It's above average for me. <clears throat> okay, I'm encouraged. The only thing that's bringing it down to that is those songs that I just, I just don't enjoy, and maybe just because I haven't listened to it enough, or my personal preference maybe just isn't listening to those types of songs. Mm-hmm. My my first listen through back in the day i would have been right where you're at and even lower yeah so yeah yeah and like i said earlier maybe a couple years down the road it moves up yeah yep and my affinity may grow coming over and listen to it on my uh new speakers i think you might have a different appreciation for it maybe so it it it's the kind of album that deserves high really high fidelity Mm -hmm. because again it's recorded so well and The playing is so good. Hey, we'll call it a date. Okay. All right, guys, it's time for our Remember When segment. This is uh, where I ask Brian and Lance their thoughts about something we grew up with but may no longer be around today. Today's item, which is still around today, very appropriate, and you may be guessing what it is because it's in line with our album choice, MTV. Oh. Do you recall the first time you watched it? Oh, yeah. And what was the first music video you can remember? It debuted August 1st, 1981. That's 42 years ago. Mm-hmm. And even though it does exist today, you'd be hard-pressed to find a video. Yeah, you're not going to find a music MTV. video. <laughs> Unless you go to their retro channels, which they do have MTV some. 2 or 3 or how many do they have? Yeah, I don't... I've never found it. I've, I've got it. I've, do you guys have YouTube TV? Yes. Yeah, it's there's some no. MTV stuff that is retro on there. Okay. I do remember the first time I saw it. Yeah. I was at a graduation party. We were at their house and for the graduation party, but everybody was huddled around the TV because MTV was this new cool thing and we had to check it out. So there was probably a group of five, seven people that broke away from the party in the garage and were watching MTV. Yeah. I don't remember what was playing, but I, I do remember... I mean, I can. I bet I can name the VJs. Alan Hunter. Um, let me think here. I got them all. <laughs> Mark Goodman. Yeah, yeah. Nina Blackwood. Yeah. Martha Quinn. Who's the last one, Brian? J.J. Jackson. J.J. Jackson, yep. And, man, they lived in, in my TV room oh, yeah. at home for hours on end. Yep. You could for many sit summers. there and just watch forever. Yep. And you, you couldn't wait till whatever your favorite one was at the yep. time. Boy, I hope they play that one again soon. Or the world premiere coming up and you're just like, yes. Ooh, yeah. Yep. And then there was MTV News with Kurt Loder. Yeah. Who seemed like the most sour guy you could ever think of. Yeah. Delivered news so boring and deliberately. Yep. The cool theme too, which was total rock and roll. I just yeah, the, it. the flag. Oh, I loved it. The the and the guy on the moon planting the flag. Yeah, sawing off. And you saw that at the top of every hour they played that, and 
Yeah. And, and what an outlet for uh, graphic arts and, and stuff oh. like that. I mean, just all the different things they, I mean, they had a great logo yeah. where you could just do so much with, mm-hmm. and they had little animated cartoon things they would do with it. MTV and, TV dinner. Yeah. I mean, it was just, man, yeah. good stuff. Do you remember uh, Headbangers Ball? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Was yeah. that Friday nights? I don't remember. It could have been. It was It was late night. Ricky Rocket. Ricky Rocket. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was on usually like at 10 o'clock at night or yep. a little later. That was but, later 80s, I yeah. suppose. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I would say. Interviews with 86, bands. 87. Yeah. Well, bands were coming into the studio. That was and, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't even say, did, didn't Ozzy Osbourne come in once? I think Probably. I remember seeing an Ozzy clip. Marilyn Manson was on MTV like as one of the people kind of sitting up on stage before he was Marilyn Manson. Yes. And somebody was what? talking with him. I yeah. think I remember it's, it. It's hilarious. If you go find that clip. Yeah. Brian, wow. did you remember the first time you watched it? And what, the first I don't video? remember the first time, but I do remember um, lots of friends wanting to come over because they did not have MTV. Yeah. They didn't have cable. Yep. We always had cable. Um so yeah, I remember watching that. I mean, some of the earlier videos I remember, like the Sticks Paradise Theater songs were, you know, around that time. Um, Jay Giles Band, those videos. Oh yeah, um, totally. Uh, Rod Stewart, you know, they were playing a lot of stuff from, you know, Europe and stuff. But yeah, I did not grow up with MTV. We did not have cable. Mm-hmm. Everything over the air. But I had a family friend. We lived across town. We were there, you know, maybe two or three times a year or something like that. And one of the times um, we went into like her, all the parents are in, you know, the main room and hogging up TV time or TV space or something. So we went in the bedroom and, and popped on MTV. And I'm like, oh, what is this MTV? And um, the first video I remember seeing is David Bowie's Let's Dance. Oh, oh yeah, that was yeah. huge too. That's a great song too. But I mean, I just yeah. watched the whole thing. I was like, wow, this is Super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so cool. Yeah. I just have a flashback to um, Dancing in the Street, the Bowie uh, Mick oh, Jagger. That was awful. Was it? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but, uh, but it was on all the time. It was. But, I mean, for a cover song, you have two guys, <laughs> two great singers, iconic guys. I was It sounds song so bad. Somebody really had to talk him into doing that, I think. Yeah. And like I said, we didn't have MTV, but we had Friday Night Videos. Okay. And so that was like the regular channel. It was on like ABC or something. I think so, yeah. Obviously Friday nights, way late at night. If it was too late, you know, we just set the VCR to to hit record. And just, yeah, yeah, and then watch back later, whatever was Exactly. I still have a couple like episodes recorded, I think, on a VHS somewhere. So I just looked on uh, my YouTube TV app. There's something called MTV Classic. Mm-hmm. And right now, 90s Nation is on, but every once in a while, there'll be a 70s or an 80s. Yeah. So uh, they do, you know, blocks of older videos. I remember, uh, do you remember Dial MTV? Yes. So that was, yeah, yeah when, when people, you you dial, you phone in and say, request your top favorite oh, yeah. video. And then they would play the top 10 or 20 videos every day at like 3 o'clock or 4 yeah. o'clock. I'm or reading something. a book right now along... Uh, interviewing a lot of the eighties bands, their hair bands, and they were completely gaming the system. Yeah. They would have like a little call center set up 
for they would just bring some friends and family in and have them just call and request this yeah. nonstop. And that's yeah. how a lot of them got up there for like, oh, for the eighth week in a row or the eighth day in a row or whatever it was. Yeah. They, were, they were completely gaming the that's system. That's I believe it. Eventually, lend, 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 uh, went, lend, lended itself to the downfall. Did I say that? Yeah, that's, no. that's a funny way of saying it, but it yeah, was, I know what yeah. you mean. I have a friend, I'm going to say unnamed, had a brother in a band in the Twin Cities and they won Best New Artist Minnesota Music Awards. But it was an orchestrated campaign just uh, like that. Too. Everybody write in. We, yeah. Because it was a fan vote sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, good for them. It got them more gigs and whatnot. Sure. But were they the best band in the Twin Cities? Uh, I don't know. Or in Minnesota? I don't know. I remember we get out of school at 3 o'clock, uh, go to my house, and we would watch MTV until... My friend Todd and I worked at the same place. So at four o'clock we had to be at work. So for you know about half hour, forty minutes every day we were watching MTV before we'd go to work. And that was dial MTV at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There I wanna say I wish I had only watched for a half hour. There were times. No, that when, was that was we just were, we squeezed that in. Good, okay. Because <laughs> okay. it was a priority. Yes. Yeah. We made sure we got that in. Because there were probably days, especially in the summer, if I probably prior to working you just kind of watch all day oh long. yeah you get back yeah you get back from work and you watch yeah. tv until you fall asleep yep yeah MTV sorry dave it was great i know i wish i could have been part of that but i only watched it when i started uh college yeah then i could get it on the local cable and that was probably about when i stopped watching it oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it wasn't yeah. like i was watching it for hours at right, college no. either but, but yeah. that's when i really kind of learn more about it and knew some of the VJs. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. after And they were probably all gone. Well the original ones, but yeah. yeah. I remember Kurt Loader was still around. Yeah. Who was the Adam, the guy with the big hair? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Adam Curry. Curry. Yeah. Yeah. I was say, yeah. Yep. He always wore the leather jacket and yeah. Yeah. They were just too cool. Yeah. All right, guys, that'll do it for today. In our next episode, we're heading below decks and diving into the album Damn the Torpedoes by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Right. Awesome. Lots of hits. 1979, I believe. I believe so. Okay. If you missed our previous episode, we talked about the album Blackout by the Scorpions. And I don't know about you guys, but after we did that, I could not get enough of the Scorpions. I still listen to them oh. like three, four, five days after. Yeah. I just could not stop. Yep. My Scorpions addiction, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check it out. So if you're still enjoying our podcast after this 10th episode, woohoo, 10 Ooh. episodes. Oh, party. Kind of like an anniversary. <laughs> We're asking if you'd still please do us a big favor and share the when records ruled episode link with a friend and help spread the word about our most excellent podcast in addition please let us know what album or topic you'd like to hear us talk about in a future show if you have a little bit of time please leave us a review of a lot of stars maybe five 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 always five always five always one two three four five yeah show us uh, what you like there um, it'd be very cool of you to do that. Uh, rock and roll. Rock and roll. You can also follow us and leave comments on Instagram and Facebook. We love it when you guys are interacting with the cool stuff that Dave throws out there. Yes. 
interact with us, please. Please, we like it. Um, you can see stuff about our Remember When segment or just pictures of really cool stuff, especially us and Lance. Because yeah. we're really cool. Super cool. <laughs> <laughs> and have we figured out how to uh, see our Spotify playlist? Yes. How it's do we show, see that, Dave? In the show notes. There's a link in the show notes if you want to access our Spotify playlist. Okay. So check it out right there. Same on Apple Music? Ooh. Or not yes, Apple, yes. Apple Podcasts. Yes. Okay. Yes. Don't go to Apple Music. You got to go to Apple Podcasts. Correct. Okay. Yep. Yep. And that's also where to rate us. Yes. Scroll yeah. down. Cinco. Find, find the stars. Cinco stars. Get Cinco starro. Okay. Our Spanish is so, <laughs> so awesome. See. <laughs> and remember, we are not professional goofballs or music <laughs> critics. Yeah, I think we might be, though. <laughs> <laughs> We're just three guys who like talking music. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Later. See ya. See ya.